ministry in the New Testament. But what it really comes down to, and all that's true, we, we can't argue with that, it's what Scripture teaches. But what this really comes down to is this. God's plan for your money, for my money, for our money, is contradictory to the pattern of the world. Because what the pattern of the world teaches is this. You get paid and you spend your money on everything you need to spend it on and everything you want, your desires, your, your rent, your, your whatever. And then if there's anything left, that's what you give. That's what the pattern of the world is. You give out of the, the leftovers. God's pattern is exactly the opposite. The whole idea of the tithe was not just that the, that the tribes had to give 10%, but that they gave their first fruits. That was the best of what they had. They gave their best 10% to the people of God in, in, in the tribe of Levi who were taking care of the ministry and the work of, of God's kingdom on earth, if you will. The pattern of the world is, is the opposite of that. God's pattern is, is this. He says, honor me with the first, with the best of what you have, and then I, the Lord, will provide your needs through the other 90%. Uh, and we're talking, we're talking there, and, and specifically we're talking tithe. Um, we'll get to that a little more later. But the principle here is, if you give, give out of what you have first to God. Don't give to God out of the leftovers. Write that one down. <laughs> Don't give God the leftovers. Does anybody want the leftovers? Lydia and I, we often on Sunday, we'll, we'll go get something to eat. We'll, we'll, we used to eat at a restaurant when they were open. Now we get something, we'll take it home. Today we're probably going to eat leftovers. You know how excited I am about that? <laughs> Nobody really, I don't know, maybe some people like leftovers. I don't really like leftovers. I'm not a leftover guy. Um, I guess I'm spoiled because I cook. I like to cook something new and fresh. Uh, leftovers just aren't as good. Now, can you see the rub here? Because the pattern of the world and the teaching of God contradict, don't they? Uh, the pattern of God's going one way and the pattern of the world is going the other. Uh, this isn't the only place that happens, is it? It's not just about money that God's principles and patterns contradict the world's, right? That happens um, pretty much always. Uh, so it shouldn't be a surprise to us that's different. Now, the question I want to ask you today is this. What principle for giving have you adopted? What principle for giving have you adopted? Do you give God what's left or do you give to God first? If you adopt the principle of the world, you're in essence saying this, I trust in money earned through my own effort to care for me and for my family. Uh, if there's any change left at the end of the month, if there's anything left at the end of the month, that's what I'll give. Now, if we are following God's principle, we're acknowledging that God is Lord Almighty, creator of all things, uh, that what Scripture says is true, that he provides for our needs. Underline that in your mind. Need, underline, highlight, bold. Not all our desires, but our needs. He provides for those things and that we are trusting absolutely upon his provision to provide for us. And if God's provision is, is enough for us and we trust that in Scripture, he says that it is and we trust that and we live by that and we give, then we know that what we have left will be enough to cover all of our needs. Giving away a tenth of our income then becomes um, an antidote, if you will, to covetousness. Giving from our first fruits, giving from the top, making that. Does anybody even write checks anymore? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, if I said, does anybody write a check besides to the church, then who raises their hand? Oh, so the less hands went up. Um, I have a friend who's a pastor in Texas, and he's 
he, you know, some churches have been resistant to online giving, more resistant, less resistant. It just depends, um, you know, traditional stuff. Um, he, he, he had a hard time getting the church to do this, but, but what flipped the switch for everybody is he asked the church, who writes checks besides to the church? And almost nobody raised their hand. And he said, so in essence, what we're asking people to do is give to the church by writing checks, which is a way they don't do anything else in life. So um, just an interesting story. If you write checks <laughs> or when you pay your bills, whatever it is, online bill pay, whatever it is, whatever the process is by which you pay your bills, make that gift to the Lord off the top first at the beginning. That's the principle of giving your first fruits, giving the best. Um, we all know the Ten Commandments. Uh, one of them says, thou shalt not covet. Luke twelve fifteen says this also. It says, Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions, of his or her possessions. Um, and we, we know this, and I think we mostly believe that, but it's difficult sometimes to act that way, isn't it? We often look a lot like the rest of the world. When you examine our checkbook, when you examine how we live and what we give to first, whether and, and even beyond um, money, time, talent, ability, skills, uh, we often don't look a whole lot different than the world. And that's really where this message gets to. It, it's about money, but it's beyond that. Because if we get our attitudes and our, our handling of money straight spiritually, a lot of the rest of the things are going to fall into place. Because for, uh, for a lot of us, how we handle money is a stronghold in our lives. Um, who judges the worth of a person by what they have? People, right? That's what's important to people. Uh, we have lists, you know, the top richest men and the the, the, the top richest women, and, and, and those are the kind of things we value. Who has money, and what can they buy, and how do they look? And um, God has a completely different way of looking at things, though, doesn't he? He doesn't judge us by what we have or what we don't have. He judges us by what's on the inside. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. That's hard. Write that word down, content. Oof. Anybody content with what they have? Anybody? There's, there's a couple. It, man, we have got to learn, no matter how much, how little, what we have is what God's given us, and we have to learn to be content with it. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. According to God, what's more important than money in this scripture? It's the fact that we have a God that will never leave us or forsake us. That is more important than money. That's more important than an abundance of possessions. God says these things because there's a spiritual principle at work here, and you can see that principle in Luke 12, 34. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart will also be. That's kind of where we get down to the real nitty-gritty in this conversation about money, is what is your heart set on? The treasure of your heart, your house, your car, your career, your uh, hobby, wh whatever it is, your habits. <laughs> Oof, we get off of some, some, we're in the rough when we start talking about that, right? That's like danger zone area. 
Um, what does our, and spending is such a great barometer. What does your spending say about what you believe about God? What is your spending? And you might have to go home today and sit down and look at your checkbook, look at your budget, look at what you spend and how you spend it, and, and ask yourself that question. What does what I have and what I spend say about what I believe about the Father? Here's an interesting fact of human nature. Our spending, and, and it, some of you have probably experienced this, our spending will always grow to meet our income. Anybody ever experienced that? I can remember, yeah, Chad raised his hand up there. Uh, I raised our hand. I can remember when we had almost nothing <laughs> and we always felt like we didn't have any money. And then there were times when we had a lot of money and you still felt, you, you found things to spend it on. It's like this human nature thing, no matter how much it could be. It could be $5,000, $50,000, $500,000 a year. I don't know what your income is, but whatever it is, our spending can grow to meet our income. It often does, and, and often, sadly, it exceeds it, right? And I'm not going to have you raise your hand if your spending exceeds your income because you already know who you are. Um, that happens. We, we've been there in the past. Right now, we're not there. Uh, we don't have any debt except our mortgage. Uh, praise God. Um, but we have been in positions before in the past where we had some debt, and some of you are probably there today. Um, and, and so, you know, you got to ask your question there. What does debt say about what I believe about God? right? What does spending what I don't have say about what I believe about God? If this is true, if all of what we're talking about is true, then how do we learn to restrain ourselves? I'm going to read, I'm going I'm to pick this up and I'm going to read a little something. It's a little story about John Wesley, um, uh, old uh, theologian, and it says, while at Oxford an incident changed his perspective on money, he had just finished paying for some pictures to be hung in his room when a chambermaid came to his door. It was a cold winter day he noticed she had nothing to protect herself from the weather except a thin linen gown. He reached into his pocket to give her some money to buy a coat, but found that he had too little left. Immediately, the thought struck him that the Lord was not pleased with the way he spent his money, and he asked himself, Will thy master say, Well done, good and faithful steward? Thou hast adorned thy walls with the money which might have screened this poor creature from the cold. O justice, O mercy, he said, are these pictures not the pictures of the blood of the poor maid. It was pretty dark, um, right? But, but he had a good point. Listen, what happens? As a result of this incident, perhaps, nobody's sure for sure if this is why it happened, but Wesley made a change in how he spent money in 1731. He began to limit his expenses so that he would have money to give to the poor. Records that in his first year, his income was 30 pounds. Uh, his living expenses were 28, so he gave two away. The next year, his income doubled, but he managed to live only on 28, so he had 32 pounds to give to the poor. In the third year, his income jumped to 90 pounds. Instead of letting his expenses rise with his income, he kept them at 28 pounds and gave away 62, and so on and so forth, <laughs> until it rose to over 1,400 pounds. That year, he lived on 30 pounds and gave the rest away. Uh, he gave because he had no one to care for. He had no family. He had no need for savings. And he was, a, he was afraid, it said, of lying up treasures on earth. So the money went out in charity as quickly as it came in. It's reported he never had more than 100 pounds on, him, on himself at any one time. Can you imagine what an what a, a anti-cultural idea? Limiting your expenses. You could start on that today. You could say, okay, from today forward, I'm going to limit my expenses to what I'm spending now, and as I have increase in income, I'm going to give that all away. That's what he did. 
But he started way back, right? <laughs> he started back when he didn't make very much. He didn't have family. He didn't have people to take care of. So it's going to be different for all of us. But can you think of anything more countercultural? As, income, as increase in income comes, instead of buying a better house and a new car and the better things, you just give it away. I, I, when I read it, I was like, wow, okay. I want to sum up what we're talking about here in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. I'm going to grab my Bible here. 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. You'll notice there, he doesn't say give a tithe, right? And some people will use this to say, oh, well, we don't have to give a certain amount. And, and, and I'm not arguing over one, one over the other. But the point is here that whatever you do give, you decide in your heart. You don't give it reluctantly. You give it happily. Some of us are not cheerful givers. <laughs> we know we should give. We write the check because we know we should. We give it, and then we're like, what? I could have done something else with that. I could have paid off some of that debt. I could have uh, bought something for my hobby. I could have done whatever, Right? Look at the end of that section of verses there. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. There's another spiritual principle at work here, and it's this. It's expressed in two parts. You will have all you need, is the first half of that principle. And the second is, and that will allow you to abound in every good work. God provides for us, Enough for ourselves and enough for us to give. Enough for us to give away. Enough for us to, to, uh, to abound in every good work. These are the things that causes people to look and say, wonder what it is about that person that's different. That's when they can see God at work in us. When they see us living counterculturally, they look and, oh, well, that, you know, he... I, I know they got a raise, but instead of buying a car, they gave money to missions, or they gave money to a food pantry, or they went on a mission trip somewhere and told people the gospel. Counterintuitively, our giving is a way that God uses to provide us with what is sufficient for us. Isn't that strange? It's like, test me and see if what I say is true. When you give I'll give back. I'll support you. I'll care for you. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure you have all you need. This concept in 2 Corinthians seems to be Paul's way of expressing what is written in the third chapter of Malachi, where it says, People of Israel, you have robbed me in failing to give your tithes and offerings. Ooh. You have robbed me, God says. When we don't give, and it wasn't even part of the message I was going to mention, but it just occurred to me, you have robbed me in failing to give tithes and offerings. Wow, we don't want to be on that side of the equation, do we? He says this, return to me, give what is due, test me, give what you're supposed to give, and see if I will do what I say I will do. I know there are people in this room that could give testimonies about how they gave and what God did with it. What he did with the gift 
and what he did with what they had left. Um, if Renee were here today, we could have Renee share. I know Renee's got a story, but I know others of us have stories about how we've seen God do great things with the little we had when we were, we were sincerely giving our first and our best to God at the beginning. James 4.3 talks about asking with wrong motives, probably um, something that is common. Uh, it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. <laughs> Anybody ever done that? It's like, oh God, I just need a little more money. And then we don't get it because we're spending it on the wrong things, Right? It's very likely that we're all guilty of the same thing the Israelites were guilty of. Keeping God's blessings, the things that we should be giving away as tithes and offerings to ourselves, because there's an, there's an absolute correlation here between faith and giving. Hebrews 13, 5, I read it a moment ago, but I'm gonna read it again. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money, be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I say, forsake you. Every time you give to God, uh, you are saying that you believe God's promise. Philippians 4.19 says, my God will supply every need. Do we believe what it says? My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What tithing really boils down to then is a faith issue, and it's this. Do you and I really trust God? Do we really trust him? Do I really trust what Scripture says? Do we really trust what He says to do uh, and that He can provide and care for me in the way that He has promised to? And how we treat our checkbook uh, and our wallet says more about that than pretty much anything else we could do or say. Because that, that has got the grip on our heart, doesn't it? Now, I would never ask you to do something that we are not doing ourselves. So in, in a transparency type of moment, I want you to know that we give, uh, Lydia and I, 10% uh, of what she makes and what I make. Um, we only have these two jobs now. In Montana, we had three or four jobs, different jobs. She had several jobs. I only had one. Um, but, but, but I want you to know that we have committed to do that. So we're not asking you to do something that we don't already do. Um, why 10%? That's just a number we chose. It seemed like a good number. Um, you might not be able to start there. Maybe you haven't been giving, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what I want you to do and what I want you to think about is that I'm not asking you to do something we're not already doing, and I'm not asking you to do something that the church isn't already doing. And so when I, I told you we'd talk a little for a moment about the church, uh, a couple of things I wanted you to know. Um, some of these are connected um, to the budget, some are not. Lottie Moon, we gave $1,000 this Christmas. Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. That was like beyond giving. That was beyond our offering. So that's like, that's something to be happy of. That's exciting news. As a church body, we gave $1,000 for international missions. Um, when we wrote last year's budget, nobody knew COVID was coming. It looked like it was going to be an amazing year, a banner year. Um, we set a lofty goal that we wanted to see an increase in giving in the church of 25%, and we knew we could do it. Um, January, we were, 20, we were over 25%. February, we were over 25%, and then March, <laughs> and then April, and then May. Um, but what I want you to know is we still finished the year 14% over giving from the prior year. 
Uh, in spite of COVID, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an applause one. That's awesome. Um, in November, we thought it was going to be around 12, and then November came, December came, and we ended at 14%. Uh, so it wasn't the 25% we hoped for, um, but we still have one more year of funding from the North American Mission Board, which is interesting. We were short last year. The amount that we needed to make that gap was the amount of money the North American Mission Board gave us monthly to make. So we ended the year good, perfect, <laughs> amazing. Um, we have to continue to grow in that, and we will continue to grow in that. Um, but as a church, I want you to see that we as a church are also giving. The church gives uh, 6% of everything that's given in the general offering on Sunday. We give 6% of that to missions that goes United States and North America, um, which includes Canada, uh, and around the world. Uh, so 6% of, so the, the church is giving, if you will, uh, as we give. We also give smaller percentages to Sin Relief, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong. Uh, right now, we're giving about 2.5%. That's what our budget is set for next year, about 2.5% of our budget towards the food pantry. Um, some of that will probably come from gifts that are beyond normal giving, but, but at, at any rate, that's something that we've set in the budget that we're going to be looking at. Uh, then there's also the clothes closet um, and community events and things that we, we, we do as a church. Because it's, it's just as easy for a church to become inward focused as it is for a human, as it is for a person. Churches can get inward focused and spend all their money. And we've got some stuff in this building to spend money on, right? Uh, we don't have AC. I don't know if we ever will. Way expensive. Um, but there's a lot of other infrastructure stuff that needs to be taken care of, right? Leak in the gym, uh, other little odds and ends, uh, plumbing stuff. There's all kinds of things. Uh, the, the ceiling and the stairs. We got all kinds of little things that we want to take care of. And so if we're not careful, we could just end up spending all our money on ourselves, right? So as a church, we have to say, in our budget, in advance, this is what we're going to spend in these areas. This is what we're going to give away so that we can commit to it. And so that's where we kind of land at the end of this message is this. Um, our giving and our spending is a sign of our spiritual maturity. It's kind of a barometer. And so there's some things I've written here that for you to consider. If you've never written a personal budget and you struggle to give, that is the best place to start. That's the best place to start. Uh, it, having a family budget or an individual budget uh, will show you uh, a lot about your spending habits. <laughs> you know, And if you don't know how much you spend on stuff and you don't know how to write a budget, the first thing you can do is start at the beginning of the month and just every day write down what you spend. I went to Starbucks and spent five bucks. I went to the grocery and spent 10. I put, put 14 bucks of gas in the car. Just log it for the whole month. And at the end of the month, look at that log and go, oh no. <laughs> because you know what happens? This is a, a principle from a, um, one of the guys that teaches about money, Dave Ramsey. He says, if you don't tell money where to go, it just leaks away. If you don't have a budget that outlines where every dollar you have should go, it just vanishes. Anybody ever experienced that? You get to week three and a week four budget, a week, a week four month of bills, and you get to week three and you're like, I don't know how we're going to make it through week four. We don't have any money left. We didn't have a budget and it leaked away. Um, so write a personal budget. Uh, if you currently give nothing at all, start giving something. That's, that's a great place to start, right? Start with something. 
Um, if you give, whether a little or a lot, review your budget. Review your expenditures. Think like Wesley, what can I give away? And I'm not saying you've got to give it all here. People give in lots of other ways. Yes, the church uh, has, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, real briefly, we've got a payroll and we've got um, bills and we've got expenses and we've got repairs. We've got all that stuff. Every church has that. And you have that too. But begin to think and ask the Father, what would it look like if I began to set some money aside to give away? Um, what if you said, hey, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to give to the church and I'm going to also set aside this other amount and I'm going to wait and see what the Father says to do with it. Well, wouldn't that be an interesting experiment? Who knows what he might say, right? It, 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 could, be, it could be amazing. Um, okay, so review your budget. Uh, a, a, an ending or beginning budget review should be a yearly kind of thing. I did ours last week, our personal one, kind of looked through it. Uh, and, and Lydia and I usually do that together. She was doing something with the kids, and I looked at it, so we'll probably sit down later and, and look through it because it's good to know, right, where your money's going to go. Not sure where your, gov- your, your giving's going to come from. Again, review the spending habits and look for the leaks. Now, right, I said a moment ago, we have a payroll, we have bills, we have maintenance, we have commitments to ministry and uh, things we've decided to do in this community. And those are things that all churches do. And I have this, I have this, this idea because I'm going to give you an example of something that ha- has happened to our church. Um, we've had this vision uh, and this calling from the Lord to do the food pantry. And Jan's headed it up, and we've done a lot of great things just in the last couple months. Uh, and in our initial, you know, two months, we identified a lot of things we needed. We needed some refrigeration, freezers, shelf space, stuff like this. Um, John, uh, Jan and I were talking about it, made a list. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write the state convention, uh, the Baptist in, in Illinois, and I'm going to write three churches that are partner churches. A lot of the churches that have come and done a lot, lot of the painting and work and uh, the one that was going to come and help do the Easter egg hunt last year that they had to cancel. I, I wrote all these churches and I said, here's something we're doing as a church. This is what we're doing as a food pantry. These are the things we, we really could use help with and this is how much they cost. And listen to what happened. A church in Georgia sent us a $1,000 check for refrigeration. We bought a refrigerator with that. It was a $1,500 refrigerator. Brian helped us get that. Um, the rest was paid for by some other things. A church in Oklahoma sent a $2,000 check just last week. You know, and I wrote these guys, and then we talked on the phone, and they're like, yeah, we would love to do that. We'll send something. And they're like, you know, for something for those churches is $2,000. Wow. Right? Okay. State convention sent us $500. We spent that on a freezer two Chromebooks. Oh, part of that, that 1,000 and 2,000, we also got six uh, shelving units that some of those got put together yesterday. In January, the, uh, the third church uh, that I wrote from Kentucky, uh, from Paducah, Kentucky, is going to be sending us some money. We don't know how much. But here's my idea. Wouldn't it be cool if we could be the church that's not eking by, right? And when somebody writes us and says, hey, we're starting a food pantry, and we could use some help. We could just write them a $2,000 check. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we as a church had money that we were setting aside beyond cooperative program, the, the missions, beyond our own food pantry, beyond our own community, if we had other money, which we don't have right now, <laughs> but if we had that other money, if we gave as a church body towards that, that we could actually, I almost fell down the stairs. <laughs> I'm getting excited. We could actually be that kind of church. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I think that that is what God wants us to do. 
I feel like God wants us to grow, to take care of all of our own stuff, right? Where we're not having any outside money, we're self-sufficient. I, I think we'll be, we'll be there, we kind of have to be, by next December, because the money that's going to come in, we, had, we have a third year and then that's going to be it. So we need to be self-sufficient by next year. And then after that, I, I feel like if we continue to grow as a church in our giving, that we need to say, okay, here's the limit of our expenses, right? Kind of like Wesley did. And the rest of this we're going to give away. What would happen if we could do that? I don't, that's exciting to me. If we could help other churches and, and missionaries and whoever, whoever God brings in our path. I think it would be amazing if we were that kind of church. So, again, what we do with our money, spending, savings, uh, all of that, giving, tithing, offering, it says a lot about our spiritual maturity. So, think about that today. Pray about that. Go home and look at your budget. Go home and write a budget. Uh, Go home and start tracking (laughs) wherever you are in that continuum. You've never done anything. Just start tracking Figure out where you're at um, and go to the Father and ask Him, what do you, what do you want me to do? Uh, ha- have you ever done that? Have you ever hey, said, okay, Lord, here's how much I'm going to get paid this year. Here's my budget. What do you want me to do with this? What would that look like? It, it, and maybe some of you do that, but, but maybe some of us don't because we have kind of split personalities sometimes, don't we? There's like, there's my, my religious person and, you know, my, my, my service time and I give to the church. And I, but then there's my, my secular side, my job and my world and my house and my money. And, and there's, we have this kind of artificial split, if you will. But that should, we, we shouldn't be split personalities. It's all one. Our, our financial side, our work side, our career side, our, our family side, all of that should just be bound up in the Father. And we bring all that to him. What do you want me to do this year in my family? What do you want me to do this year in my career? What do you see, Lord, in, in my, uh, my budget this year that you want me to do? And so d- please don't take this as a message where the church has its hands out because it, it's way beyond that. That's easy. <laughs> That's easy to go to and say, hey, 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 church, we need some money. This is well beyond that. <laughs> In case you didn't gather, this is, this is beyond that. Go to the Father and, 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 and really grapple with that idea that everything is His. Everything. And then begin to seek Him and ask Him, what do you see in this? How do I live within these parameters so that I can give abundantly? to the church, to the community, to the world, to those who are in need. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you, you will spark something in us that causes us to become a generous church. Um, it, we want that. We want to be a generous church. I, I saw excitement in the eyes. It was hard to see the faces. They've got masks on them, but I saw some excited eyes about that idea. But it takes... It takes real commitment, Lord, we know, and it takes real work. Uh, and it may take some limiting. Uh, Lord, help us to sit with our budgets. Give us the, the, the desire to do that uh, and the honesty to take uh, inventory of something that might be painful to look at. Help us to see where the dollars go. Uh, Lord, we may discover that we have money to give 
that we're wasting on something else that has no eternal value and has very, very, very short shelf life. So Lord, Father God, I ask that you, uh, you, you do an amazing work in us. Help us to see things like you see them. Help us to have your heart. Lord, give us, um, give us your heart and your eyes to see things as you see them, that we may give and love and serve uh, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna start a new